And now, from the mayor's office above the boathouse on the east shore of Spoon Lake, it's Garage Logic with Rookie on Production, Chris Reavers, director of social media, John Hyde in the newsroom, and occasionally Kenny from the Crabby Coffee Shop. Yeah. Here is your flashlight king, fireworks commissioner, and keeper of common sense. Your mayor, Joe Sushire. Another weather event I did not know happened. What's that? I got an email from Terry Kopp who says, as a longtime indoor medallion hunter, referring to the St. Paul Winter Carnival <laughs> treasure hunt. Indoor. I love that. In, uh, what I take that to mean is he loves to try to figure out the clues, right. but he sure as hell ain't going to go out no. there and freeze to death. <laughs> no. Smart guy. Alex Stew. As a longtime indoor medallion hunter, I find uh, that this time every year I learn new and interesting facts about our area and its history. Hmm. Yesterday, while following a rabbit trail about tornadoes inspired by clue number three, you all right? Yeah. Bless uh, you, Johnny. Okay. Inspired by clue number three, I discovered an amazing bit of history from 1890. Perhaps you are aware you are aware of the fateful weather events of Sunday, July 13, 1890. I'm, I wasn't. At least 104 Minnesotans near St. Paul died due to the storm system that day. Six individuals were killed when a cyclone hit the Jarvis Lake area around 5 p.m. Even though that was my childhood neighborhood, I had not known of this previously. 98 souls perished on Lake Pepin when a steamboat capsized during the storm. It was towing a barge full of people on a pleasure cruise. I would direct you to details of this in the St. Paul Daily Globe newspaper, which he'd linked me to and I went and read it. Several things strike me as interesting about these events that I thought might resonate with you. First of all, the weather events are clearly not a new phenomenon. Of course not. Witness the Great Burn of 1910. The Pepin disaster is reported as one of the worst inland water events in the country's history. Secondly, the newspaper accounts of the Jarvis cyclone are fascinating. These reports are eerily descriptive and detailed. Eyewitness quotes express the sheer terror and force involved, referring to the lake water scooped from the center and the lakeside flooded from 30 to 40 feet up the banks. The landscape is described in detail, including lost buildings, leveled forests, and dead animals. An excerpt describing the scene of the makeshift hospital in the local hotel states, Coleman's Hotel was a blood-smeared and sickening hospital where the wounded were lying upon couches and cots, benches and counters, moaning and wailing piteously. Word first reached St. Paul at the Margaret Street Police Station at 6.30 p.m. when three survivors drove up, presumably in a horse-drawn wagon. Despite the late hour and the distance to the site, uh, the next day's Daily Globe published a very complete accounting. Clearly reporting is not what it used to be. Finally, that tornado was witnessed and photographed from Cherokee Heights in St. Paul and became a popular image that was later painted. You can see those images here, and he linked me to that, which I did. All of this I discovered as the result of one obscure line in a medallion clue. Thanks for writing the clues. They are contributing to right. the enlightenment of St. Paul readers. I'm Terry surprised Cuff. you Thanks knew a lot, about Terry. all that stuff, Joe. I don't write the clues. Right. A guy actually wrote a, a guy wrote a book about this. It's called The Sea Wing Disaster of July 13, 1890, uh, 1890 and it's basically about the uh, Lake Pepin right. part of the disaster. I was, I think I'm f- familiar with the Lake Pepin. I had no idea a tornado devastated St. Paul to that extent. 
But this got me curious. I, I don't understand uh, the treasure hunting clues anymore. They're too arcane for me. But here's here's an enlightened treasure hunter uh, mm-hmm. who loves the clues. And here was clue number three. One day, moons ago, the wind, it did blow. The sky, an upside-down bog, as a tornado twirled, it soon unfurled a street full of fish and frog. How did that guy, from that clue... I don't know. Look up a tornado in 1890. Never mind that. How does he expect these idiots... To figure it out. I don't out. understand these clues. These, these clowns don't even know what the Fridley tornado was in the early 80s. Right. Well, no. They got their bib overalls and their Carhartts on. Well, I'm old enough to remember That's the great... That's my people. Don't be calling <laughs> us dum-dums. Yeah, only they're allowed to do that. My, yeah. the, he has a great point. It's a point we make on the show all the time. If we got that same tornado this year, mm-hmm. yeah. it would be called the result of climate change. Right. But oh. that same tornado, this devastating, horrific tornado, include, uh, uh, happened 130 years ago. And it was, uh, it was well documented. I was unaware of it. I was unaware of it. But I don't know what in that clue led, he must have just researched historic tornadoes in Minnesota. And then it probably just led him to one more thing. Then he was in up to his elbows and these, said, okay. These, these modern treasure hunters, man alive. They're students. They're scholars. That's I can't follow this. It would not have occurred to me from this clue to start looking up historic tornadoes in St. Paul. Were there pictures on the link he sent? Oh, yeah, but they're drawings. Oh, they're drawings. They're not. They're renderings. I know where okay. this dumb puck is, by the way. Whoops. I don't, that doesn't sound right. No, it, you're clear. It's, uh, it's uh, down in Hidden Park there, right, right by Ford uh, Dam. Hidden Falls? Yeah. Well, really not dumb. not not if this clue is going to factor yeah, into it. You watch. There are you frogs down there? This listen. is going to be out around, uh, this could be Cherokee Heights. Oh, well, maybe oh really? Might, maybe you might not want to comment. Hang I on. don't write these yeah, damn things. Yeah, maybe you might not want to comment on your own. <laughs> is that where Jarvis is? Jarvis is, uh, Jarvis is uh, Little Canada. Right. Well, wasn't right. a lot Canada. of the damage up around Jarvis? In this 1890 yeah. storm? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, the cyclone yes. came by. Is Jarvis in Ramsey County? Doesn't the treasure have be, to be in Ramsey County? Yes. Pretty sure it is. Which which bothered me for the first clue. It wasn't clear for the usually uh, King Boreas or the clue writer will say it's all in Ramsey County. It did not say that for the first clue. Huh. That well, kind of bothered my, me. My point being, we have another example of a, a significant weather event that happened 130 years ago that today would be called climate change, just as the 2018 fire season in California was called the result of man-made climate change, which uh, is our biggest problem uh, that we've ever faced in the history of of mankind, Uh, only to discover, no, in 1910, you had a fire that burned a million more acres than the 2018 California fire season burned. Jarvis Lake is in Ramsey County. Mm -hmm. It was named after Benjamin Jarvis, a pioneer who settled at the lake in 1844. That's where you'll find the puck. Either that or Cherokee Heights. Uh, Based on this clue, uh, this is a very telling clue now that this guy's broken it down. He he figured, I got to go research storms. And he's an indoor. And he figured it was uh, figured a long ago, one day moons ago. Isn't that racially insensitive to say moons ago? Isn't that cultural appropriation? I'm trying to remember if that was on our list of uh, Is that okay? Ago. Is that okay? Yeah. One day moons ago, the wind it did blow. This guy an upside down bog as a tornado twirled it soon unfurled a street full of fish and frog because the water was swept out of Lake Jarvis. Oh, okay, so they were flopping around on the streets. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Huh. 
Isn't that something? Okay. Hmm. Isn't that interesting? Uh, under our direction, offsite correspondence, great research. It was great, great research under our direction. <laughs> now, if you're an indoor medallion hunter, can you always just rely on, well, pff, I had it first, I just don't go outside. Right, I didn't get the button. Do I get a cut? Depends who he feeds the info to. That's true. How do you know these these guys operate as teams? They got their indoor computer guys. Yep. Yeah. They got phone communication with the people out in the field, and it's become worth it. You can win ten grand. You have to have the registered button. Got to have a registered button. You can win ten grand. Has anyone ever found it that did not have a registered button? Oh, yeah. oh sure. What happens then? Oh yes. Yeah, sure. I think you win half the money. Yeah. Uh, and you, and you get so the, is it still a sponsor? Do you do you go buy the button before you claim the? No, because uh, there's a there's a the registration has closed. Oh. I believe now for. I've told you guys. So wait a minute. You can't go looking for it now if you don't. You have, can go looking. You can, for it. but you just won't get the full amount if you find it. Oh, that's BS. No, it isn't. Oh, Did I tell break. you guys? No, my, you're such a small town. Right. What a bunch <laughs> of hicks. You want to hear my? Uh, <laughs> Not really. No. You want to hear my favorite no, treasure no, hunting no, story? I don't. I've told you guys before. Let's move along. Let's move along. Probably in about 1954. Well, look it up, Rook. I can tell you what year it was. What year? What years in the fifties was the Winter Carnival treasure found at Col- Como Park? All right. Now this shouldn't take you that long, but I've learned how you do this now as I watch you and how clumsy you are at it. Yes. Uh, locations. Locations where the Winter <laughs> Carnival treasure was found. Oh, what park? Como. 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 Uh, you should get a list. It was a burp. I apologize. Believe me, the story might be worth it. Uh, hang in there with us. Might. Yeah, it might be worth it. Uh, right there, Rook. First story. First story. All right. This is a, this giant screen computer deal is pretty neat. Uh, come on. Click on it, Rook. It shows you that over the years you thought I was really slow. It was just me. Right. But now. Now scroll down. Come on. Oh, oh. Your newspaper is almost getting as bad as the Star Tribune. Wow. This My is a goodness. really slow website, isn't it? The, Holy mackerel. The ads on your newspaper are so obtrusive. Because I'd love to get the uh, the year straight, but the circle, of, the circle of thinking is still taking place. Okay. <laughs> so I'm out. Yeah, you start. My mother took me. I've never heard it put that the way. Circle. The circle of thinking. Yeah, the circle that's, of thinking. That's brilliant. Yeah. The thinking circle. Yes. So I don't know what compelled her, but my mother took me treasure hunting. And we were in Como Park. And we're pawing away so at the snow. Would, all right. This would have been around 47 yes, or so. 1956 inside a hollow log. Where? Como Park. That was, this was 1956. Okay. Then. Wow, you're old. Yeah. Holy cow. And, and so in the process of us pawing like animals at the snow, I lost my eyeglasses. Little they Ralphie. Fell, they, yeah. they fell into the snow. Yep. Now, there's two components sure. to this story. When I was a kid, that was a big outlay for parents to yeah. buy glasses. Yeah. You oh, didn't have VSP. You no. couldn't lose. You Those right. were pricey. You couldn't lose your glasses. Right. So basically what we were pawing for were my glasses. Right. <coughs> she found them and and exclaimed, I found them! Oh, my God. <laughs> At which point, not an exaggeration, hordes of people in oil-covered overalls are walking towards us with shovels and pitchforks. And she's waving my glasses, saying, no, no, his glasses! I found his glasses! Vigilante! Vigilante! What would the prize have been back then, Joe? Oh, what do you think? Boy. What do you think? I don't Maybe know. A, a 
maybe hollow, a grand, a hollow yeah. log, maybe a grand. <laughs> but still worth it to some blue collar guys that were out there for weeks looking for this thing, and then Hell your yes. mom jumps up and screams, "I found it!" Yeah, they were gonna get theirs. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's my treasure hunting. Story. Is it the same prize every year? I mean, why can't oh, I? Oh, it's just gone go... up a lot in the last. No, few years. I mean the medallion, the thing you find. Can't you just whip up a counterfeit? Bring it in? No, that's not the way it works, Kenny. People are basically no, more honest than you. He might have it put placed in a uh, <laughs> White Castle uh, box or something like that. It's always wrapped in something. It's I think not what's, just, I think what's legitimate it. to wonder, and I hate to cast aspersions on, on the newspaper. That's the clue but, writer. But I think what's <laughs> legitimate to wonder is, do you think it's even hidden yet? I thought about that. I thought about it because <laughs> there's year there wasn't no even snow. snow. There's no snow. So you would just be looking for debris in Como or Cherokee or Jarvis, wherever <laughs> You've it is. You've got to go. You, you have to know which slack-jawed numbnuts hides this thing, Such. <laughs> I somebody, used to. I used somebody to. in your paper. Well, yes, I used well, to. Let's get, I thought let's, it was King Boris. Let's pay him a little yeah, visit. Yeah, there can't be that many left of you. No, there isn't. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> All right, thank you. Just wow. a moment, Pretty please. Pretty soon you are going to be the uh, clue writer. Right. That'll be my job. <laughs> My wife rents out my bedroom when I'm up far, uh, up north at the farm for four days. Chief offsite, uh, <laughs> yeah. chief yeah. offsite correspondent Kelsey alerted me to this story, and the headline is "Diver removes amazing sum of golf balls off Pebble oh, Beach." I saw this, and I yeah. thought, neat, somebody's. Yeah. Getting the golf ball. It turns out it's an environmental story. They're upset that there's golf <laughs> balls in the ocean. Well, Alex Weber, an avid freediver, was 16 years old when she and her father were diving alongside Pebble Beach Golf Links and made an alarming discovery. Thousands of no. golf balls littering the ocean oh, floor. They're looking at it wrong, Joe. That's this what is I thought. a jackpot. Yeah, that's Let's what I thought. Let's make some money. Get the egg cartons See, out. See, I've, I've reached the point where I... Far more enjoy finding golf balls than playing golf. I told you about the guy. I was driving uh, one day last summer, driving in past a, a golf course. There's a guy on the outside of the course who's wedged his body under the chain link oh. fence <laughs> just to grab, looking for yeah. golf balls. Away like the, the I drive by hunters. and all I can see is feet sticking out of the brush. Alex Weber said, you couldn't see the sand, she told NPR. It was completely white with golf balls. You look down and you're like... What are you doing here? Lady, you're oh. at the edge of the 18th fairway at Pebble Beach. <laughs> right. What do you think? Scoop them up and make some cash. With people with enough money to go, I'm just going to hit another one. I'm Listen, not going to go find it. Listen, be quiet. Let me read the damn story. <laughs> anyway, back to Airbnb. Yeah, <laughs> it felt like a shot to the heart. Mm. From that day forward, Weber began the endless task of removing oh. golf balls from the ocean, and her efforts prompted a research study a website called The Plastic Pickup, and eventually a scientific paper published in Marine Pollution Bulletin, Volume 140, March 2019. Over two years, Weber, now 18, and her father, a friend in Stanford University science scientist, Matt Savolka, uh, who helped Weber with the paper, hauled out more than 50,000 golf balls from the ocean in Monterey. The sources for the golf balls were errant shots by golfers at Pebble Beach and Cypress Point. Balls hit into the Carmel River from Quail Lodge Golf Club, Carmel Valley Ranch Golf Club, and Rancho Canada Golf Course uh, traveled downstream and into the ocean where Weber's team collected them as part of the study. 
they didn't. It didn't occur to them that they could be selling these for seventy five cents right. a piece. Is that what the, I w- that was my only question for you? What's the going rate for uh, used golf balls? Not surprisingly, the hot spots at Pebble Beach were alongside the eighteenth hole in a little slot beneath the eighth hole and next to the fifteenth and sixteenth holes at Cypress Point. On a typical outing, they'd collect between five hundred to five thousand golf balls. The main point that people should be aware of is aware of is that every decision and action you make has an effect whether it is something that affects you or not weber told uh something called ftw outdoors i always say that if golf balls floated this would not be an issue because people would be so disturbed about the amount of trash in our bay but she she sounds like she'd close pebble beach joe Fifty thousand golf balls, thirty-seven thousand five hundred. If she actually for how much a piece? Seventy-five. Seventy-five. What yeah. I'm quoting you. If she actually found five thousand golf balls in one day, mm-hmm. do the math. What is that? That's a three thousand seven hundred fifty dollar day for picking Jeez. up bleeping golf balls. Hell yes. What does she do with them? A hundred years of golf balls have piled up in our gorgeous marine sanctuary. We call those vintage. And if we cannot change this, a million uh, more balls will enter this space. Uh, in the journal Marine Pollution Bulletin, the team notes that golf balls are coated with a thin polyurethane shell that degrades over time. No, they don't. Golf balls last a million years. Yeah. Right, right. They also contain zinc compounds that are toxic. Savoka points out that the surf and currents act like a rock grinder and break down the golf balls. Well, then get in there every day and get them out of there, you morons. you got a fortune waiting to be had. There. Hell yes. Uh, with chemicals from 50,000 or so golf balls will have only a small effect on the ocean. They do degrade into microplastic pieces that marine animals could eat. The team also notes that there are lots of coastal golf courses around the world, so this goes beyond California. Uh, Savoka said that golf balls are almost certainly not a major source of marine trash in the ocean on a global scale, but that doesn't mean it's not a problem on a local scale or that her work is unimportant, Weber's. Golf balls have additives that are toxic to marine wildlife, so removing these golf balls from the ocean is a critical task that Alex is spearheading. And again, I thought this was going to be a fun story about how much money she's making. And oh, she, apparently, they're not selling. Joe, them. I found those stories because I wanted to know what what do you call a guy that only looks for golf balls for a living? So I googled Joe. I, I, <laughs> I googled guys who look for golf balls. The uh, first story that comes up. This guy, it's from uh, October 27th, 2015, the headline. This guy says he made $15 million retrieving lost golf balls from ponds. I don't know if I believe that. $15 million. Uh, The first line in the uh, story is he travels around Florida, so he must have diving equipment. And in Florida, alligators, snakes, and... but, uh, $15 million is not plausible. That's the, not plausible. The second story is, and this reminds me of you, some golfers only want to look for lost balls. This is from the Sun Sentinel That's also me. from 2015. <laughs> yeah, it was. And get back playing I've heard here. that from your partners. They, they can never find you because you're over in the bushes hacking away with an iron looking for other people's balls. I got some honey holes where I go in November. <laughs> honey holes. Yeah, I, got, I got some honey holes where I go in November. I can crawl out of there after an hour and a half with 80, 90 golf balls. <laughs> Do you, I haven't bought a golf ball in 10 years. <laughs> Do you 
<laughs> so you do use them. Yeah. Do you have a fancy retriever or do you bend over? I'm, I'm scrouching. Oh, you're, you're old school. I'll tell you one quick funny story, then we've got to take a break <laughs> to get to Johnny's news. I went on a very nice October day, just this past October. Can you imagine him in a, an exclusive country club down <laughs> south? Like maybe at the invitation of somebody, the a fancy Beverly pants like molars or something. <laughs> we got Jed clamping, rolling in with, well, with his ridiculous dark socks. I see his ass out there. I was up to the hole. One day after the podcast, I went to a course very near here, and yeah. uh, I went to my honey hole. And I and it was very Don't wet. Call it that. Please. It was very wet, and I slid in the mud. I'm dressed. I was dressed well for the for the podcast. And I slid in the mud down a bank into a stream, and I was crawling. It's a true story. And I couldn't get any purchase. I couldn't get any purchase oh on the wet foliage to get back up. Two guys are waiting to tee off on ten. They said, "Such." Are things that bad? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm doing a bleeping podcast. Yes, they are. Thank I you. lost my job, okay? Right. Leave me alone. <laughs> I'm trying to make a few bucks. Let's come back with John Height. I've got a buddy named Bob who annually makes three New Year's resolutions, and he rarely succeeds at accomplishing any of those. Well, maybe he should call the Canopy Group. You know why? Well, Bob wants to read more, and Canopy isn't going to help him read more. Uh, Bob wants to lose 20 pounds, and Canopy can't help there either. But Canopy can help Bob with his third resolution to save money. How's that going to happen? By handling the resolution among the 20 professionals at the Canopy Group. They will help Bob save money on his home on auto insurance and get better coverage. Their 16 companies assure Bob's success not just this year. They will do this for Bob every year to be sure Bob has the best coverage at the best price. Hand saving money over to the Canopy Group and accomplish at least one of your New Year's resolutions. Call 800-967-3389 or visit thecanopygroup.com. Here's John Height. Huh? I thought we were going to play a bump. Yeah. I'll play a bump then. I'll say oh, it again. God, sure. Right. Why not? Here's John Height. Thank you, Joe. That was much better. Much better. I felt I felt the uniqueness and the the, the very urgency to get to, to Johnny Height. People like the more laid back version of movies screw around. I don't think so. I do. Well, I'll be the judge. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Minnesota could be heading toward a blanket ban on the use of cell phone devices while driving. Yes. With the exception of using them in hands-free mode. No. The bill, sponsored by Representative Frank Hornstein, overcame its first obstacle when it was given the green light from a Minnesota House transportation panel. If enacted, it would ban drivers from using cell phones to make a call while behind the wheel to go along existing rules prohibiting texting, using apps, and playing videos from your phone while driving. Drivers would still be able to use their phones in hands-free mode, as well as voice-activated functions. There's also an exception for activating or deactivating a device in emergency situations. If you were caught making a call on your phone while driving, you'd be liable for a fine of at least $225. The thing is, you still have to go to your dash and touch your dash to make the touch call. I don't. You don't you don't voice do that activated. speaker f- phone deal. No, I have car? voice. I have voice. Uh, I have hands free, and I don't have oh, to. I just, oh, so I don't you have just to do say anything. call. No, I have a little rookie. dial. I turn, but I can do that while I'm driving. All right. I don't understand the, the point though that they're trying to make of why this is not a good idea. These are just legislators that 
want to be able to text while they're behind the wheel. That's what this is all about. I think it's a great idea. Yeah. I don't think you should I make a call. I don't again. either. There's no reason for it. Today, when I uh, turned on the computer, we had 12 crashes on completely bone dry yeah. roads. Yeah. 12 crashes. How many of them do you suspect were caused by distracted driving? 99% of okay. them. Kenny, the worst stretch for me on my long ass commute home is 212. Because everybody thinks it's wide open, I got nothing to worry about, and everybody is on their phone. No. It's it's the worst stretch of freeway. Uh, lawmakers also spending time getting a glimpse into the future that could one day lead to driverless semi trucks. Oh, oh. <laughs> oh my god! You know, how worse? How, how much worse could it be? There, you know. Come on. Not there yet, but the technology pretty much is. The state could take a step in that direction. Stephen Boyd of Peloton Technology told members of the Minnesota Senate Transportation Committee the platooning systems that we're working on are based on decades of research and development. He's referring to truck platooning. That's a system where one truck can closely follow another with the driver in the first truck controlling the accelerator and brakes. No. The second driver would simply keep their hands on the wheel of their truck. Oh, so there is a guy back yes. there. Yep, but he's not controlling. Well, how much different the rest of the time? How much well, how much different is this than what already goes on? I mean, that's already <laughs> happening. Research and experience in states like Texas and Florida shows the lead truck could save 4.5% in fuel cost. The second truck saves up to 10% by drafting closely behind the first. The experts say that could add up to big savings over millions. Of miles. Well, there sh- they shouldn't be allowed to pass. That's for sure. Nothing worse than being behind a semi. That's one guy's going sixty four, and the guy passing is going sixty four and a half. Well, oh. because they got done drafting with each other, and now the other guy, the behind guy, thinks he can make a move. It's just amazing. Say, so you guys aware there's a, a a version of the Krabby Krabby Coffee Shop opening in uh, Hyde Park in Chicago, which is essentially on the shore but south of downtown Chicago, uh, but it's a bar. It's okay. going to be called the Hyde, and they've come up with rules including uh, no Cubs fans <laughs> and no Trump supporters. Oh. Uh, they also have uh, no cell phone use. Uh, what happens at the Hyde stays at the Hyde. We don't make it strong. Order a double. No shoes, <laughs> no teeth, no service. No Cubs fans, no Trump supporters. Keep it, uh, keep it classy and a little sassy. Uh, and it goes on and on and on here, but uh, the hide the hide has a lot of rules posted, yeah. uh, and the, the crabby coffee shop only has one basically. Get which your is, coffee. Just get, get your coffee and shut the hell up, and we're not going to ask you what your plans are for the weekend. <laughs> yeah. Right. What happens if you violate a rule? Do they you get? Uh, I guess you get kicked out. Okay. I guess you get kicked Am out. Am I still sharing co-management with old man Ricey? No, I've completely taken yeah, over the it's franchise. Not, it's Joe's. Uh, I was in. The, I told shop. you, I was in the coffee shop yeah. this morning, and a guy said, "Hey, crabby coffee shop." Uh, you son of a bitch! You better give me a cut. <laughs> well, you could. I'm well, so. Sick you want a cut of what I'm making at the paper? <laughs> my whole, okay, here. My whole bleeping <laughs> life. All you've pocket. done is steal ideas from me. Here. I mean, this here, is here, since there's your cut. Since 1987, all you've done it. is steal ideas really? and jokes. I've got and a confession now too. I gave him this whole garage logic BS. I said, "Why don't you pretend it's in the garage, making things in the garage?" You He's like, oh, "Let me give it a shot. I'll, I'll run with it and see what happens." There's just one little flaw in your theory. What is in the ointment? You you hadn't joined the show until three years after Garage Logic was founded. Well, I think I said it one time. You know, you didn't know you. You, 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 you didn't exist. <laughs> A story you've probably seen on the television the last two days, a St. Bernard 
ran away from a foster home in Minnesota, found alive after surviving 17 days in freezing temperatures. Didn't see the story. What's a St. Bernard? Come on. They'd have a a cask of brandy. Rough Start Rescue Director Azur Davis said she wasn't sure the 10-year-old dog named Old Lady was alive after so much time had passed. Old Lady had bolted from the foster home January 4th and her leash got tangled in the woods near Zimmerman. Flyers posted, search parties formed, but no sign of old lady until this past Monday. A grandfather and his grandson spotted her in the woods, called law enforcement, and they notified Rough Start Rescue. Uh, it wasn't the first time old lady's been rescued. She said, uh, Davis says she spent a decade at a puppy mill in Wisconsin. She was frostbitten, malnourished, but she'll be fine. How do you guys feel about dog owners that put coats and booties and scarves and stuff on their dogs for the winter? Or Is GL Pro or again? Uh it's never come up in my consciousness. Yeah. My, I, mo- my mom puts a sweater on her little poodle yeah, dog. Yeah. It just embarrasses the dog, I think. I know. I, the I dog, yeah. dog kind of hangs its head in shape. I have founded a whole theory on the decline of culture based on dogs. The minute dogs went on leashes, this country started to go downhill. We used to have a town dog up north. Of that course. Would, sure. It would hop rides in the back of pickups to get from one side of the other, one side of town to the other. Now there's people walking around this small, tiny little town with their bleeping dog on the leash and a bag of poop in their hand. Dogs used to be socially uh, well-formed, and they didn't go crazy when they saw another dog like they do today because they got to play with their buddies all day long. They knew everybody in the neighborhood. They laid down in the front yard about 5 p.m., and somebody walked by, they just give a dog and give you a little up nod. And it was part of life that you had to get a popsicle stick to get the dog poop out of your U.S. kids. Yeah. And uh, there were yes. no wildlife in the urban environments. Yeah. None. None. <laughs> My old man. Now I saw a fox Saturday <laughs> eat a squirrel in the backyard. <laughs> well, that's just nature. No, but that wouldn't have happened With back dog. when dogs were running free. <clears throat> My old man's an old schooler. He's got a lab he keeps in a kennel, a hunting dog. He comes over, let that, lets that thing out of the truck, and it immediately gives you the biggest pile of steaming poop ever. Yeah. My old man makes no effort to clean it up. No, he's old school. And when I start yelling at him, he just smiles. <laughs> <laughs> it's your problem now, son. Police in Maine say a drunken man took the wrong lift and tried to get into a house he mistakenly thought was his own home. Cape Elizabeth police say the man mistakenly got into a lift summoned by a man who lived next door to him. Is this a, a story happening in the United States? In Maine. In Maine? Yep. Why is it called a lift then, John? It's very precious. That's a British no, term. No, it's lift a, is... It's a brand. There's Uber. You, you Uber. call Uber, you Oh, I thought you lift. meant the elevator. Yeah. I thought the guy no. was on an elevator. Oh, no. the, the misspelled no. lift. L-Y-F-T. L-Y-F-T. That's oh, correct. Okay. Worst drivers on the road, by the way. If it was uh, re- in Great Britain, I'd have read it with an accent. I'm sure you would have. Lift, uh, let's see, uh, the lift uh, summoned uh, by a man who lived next door. Police say the man was dropped off early Saturday, staggered toward a nearby home thinking it was his. Police say he caused a commotion trying to get in, leading the homeowner to call the police. Cape uh, Elizabeth Police Chief Paul Fenton said the intoxicated man was taken back to the police station to sober up. The homeowner doesn't want to press charges. That's the Royce story, only he did that while he was sober, right? Didn't he? What was the Hall of Fame? Hall he goes of fame, rock yeah. and roll, baseball, football. I'm not here to rob you. I just used the bathroom. <laughs> oh, yeah, he wandered into the wrong place. Because <laughs> yeah. it was the place the paper had used the year before Apparently. or something like yeah. that. Yeah. That was yeah. at Cooperstown. Didn't yeah. he go upstairs and uh, use the uh, water yeah. closet yeah. Yeah. for about 45 minutes? Said <laughs> uh, a few hey, sweets. Go in there. Well, he went upstairs and sent a few Swedes to the Mardi Gras. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> I know I'm not supposed to be here, but uh, you're out of paper. Oh. 
<laughs> you guys know uh, Big V's Saloon? I don't. Big V's Saloon near the corner of University and Snelling in the Midway area? Big V's Saloon. Apparently it's, big five? it's well known, apparently. Oh, well, is it the Big I know Five? That. Is it the Big Five? I don't know. It must be across from the new stadium, obviously. Well, uh, by uh, Midway Park. I, I just saw the story in the paper, and apparently it's being sold and will be reborn. So apparently it has some uh, I've never infamy okay. in St. Paul. Uh, owner Vic Big V Mazans and his wife oh. have reportedly been looking to sell uh, for several years. And now with Allianz Stadium being opened in mid-April, uh, they uh, sold it. The buyer who stepped up intends to rename the place the Midway Saloon. But It'll no be a soccer place. hangout, I bet. I would right. guess, yeah. yeah. Apparently uh, it's listed as a, quote, dive bar. So right. uh, I'm, I'm seeing that now. It, yeah. Christensen's Big V, they're yeah. calling it. So why is it historic? Did something interesting happen there? Or just people been thought, getting drunk there forever? I thought maybe you guys knew. Because well, I know uh, that intersection like the back of my hand, and I don't know this bar. You know what? To your credit. Yeah. You know, to your I don't credit, know that bar. You don't know what that bar is. I don't know that bar. It's because you never stop for a drink. I don't go as to you, bars. As you told us. Nope. You've never. No, never a, once in my life. You've never walked into a bar, sat down, and had a beer by yourself. Never. That just amazes me. Yeah, I endorse that. You guys that do that are losers. Yeah. Seriously. Well, I'm not arguing. Why is he looking at me and John? Yeah. Bob uh, Dylan. But, but I'm sorry to interrupt, but I, yeah. this has been bothering me. You talked about the St. Bernard, mm-hmm. and then you talked about the, the cask of, of brandy. brandy. St. Bernards are often portrayed. I wondered why they have this, especially in old live-action comedies such as Swiss Miss, the TV series, Topper, and classic cartoons wearing small barrels of brandy around their necks. Do you know why? Yeah, yeah, we've yeah, discussed this on the air before. I we think. have, yeah, I but think they, so. They were Did rescue they, dogs. It stemmed, yeah. it stemmed yeah. from the dogs living at Abbey's and uh, and the, uh, the the religious. Uh, they like to brandy. The brothers or priests or oh, whatever really? up in the mountains of Switzerland uh, considered them rescue dogs, and they would have they would yeah. have alcohol in those little casks. So when the dog came upon a rescued guy, he'd have a little sustenance. Yeah. Okay. Have a little drink. Avalanche victims yeah. supposedly yeah. drank the brandy to stay warm while awaiting rescue. Yeah. Yeah. Although this is medically unsound, whatever, but I picture of some of the guys going, yeah, I'm going to go get an avalanche. I'll send the dog out in about <laughs> half an hour. I'm going to be pretty cold. Okay. Bob Dylan is teamed with the famous Clydesdales and loaned one of his signature protest songs for a Budweiser beer television ad that'll run during the Super Bowl. What? Loaned one of his songs yeah, well, for what I'm amount of money? Guessing sold probably yeah. would be the uh, the thing. Uh, the theme of the ad released Wednesday by uh, Budweiser is the promotion of wind as an alternative energy source. Uh, idiot wind? So oh. no, no, oh. of course, blowing in the wind oh. is the song Boo. that they use. They play while eight Clydesdales pull a cart loaded with cases of Budweiser across a sunbathed field of grain dotted with wind turbines sporting. I saw the ad earlier today. Sporting the Budweiser uh, logo. I normally love the Budweiser Super Bowl ads. They're always done very well. This is very precious. It's a very precious ad. Are they trying too hard? A little bit. But it's always cool to see the Clydesdales run. You guys know that Dylan is not only a welder, but he's a blacksmith, and he makes giant iron decorative gates for people's yards and stuff. Really? Yeah, they're when actually. Do have, have you time? seen he's his on yard, an endless tour? The yard where he does everything—it's pretty cool. He's got yeah. a yeah. His is shop is his shop is amazing. Well, who does he make them for? He he's doing it for fun, and now people are buying it from him. Well, uh, I know. think his aunt or his mom lived down the street from where a kid I used to have now owns a house. Well, his his In mom Highland his Park. mother lived on was it Highland Park? I don't know. I don't know. There's uh, I have seen that story where, where they show his workshop. And speaking of that. 
I watched the Jeff Beck documentary you told me about on Showtime. Yeah. Who puts together cars in right. his own little workshop. Right. It's pretty amazing. I've yeah. known that for quite yeah, some time. Yeah, Jeff Beck's shop is cool. And the He's cars he Quite has. a car guy. Oh, yeah. 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 Very cool. Very cool. Now, remind uh, me, Johnny, Jeff Beck was the one where you got super hammered and uh, passed out before the show started, right? Isn't that the Jeff Beck story? <sighs> was in Fargo in, I don't know, 77. There was three acts, then there was Jeff Beck, then there was Fleetwood Mac. I watched the first three acts I watched, I think. That are I you recall. aware that there's a piece of art in front of the Basilica <laughs> of St. Mary in Minneapolis that people are now calling 911? Yeah, the hobo. Uh, it the looks, hobo like a, looks like a homeless guy yeah, covered in blankets. I have not seen yeah. It's a yeah. guy taking a nap on a bench. Yeah. It's it's a big sculpture and it's uh, it looks real. it looks so real. People are calling nine one one concerned for someone overexposed to the brutal cold. But and they won't get their ass out of their Mercedes and go over <laughs> there help. and help the guy out. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yes, I miss Jeff Beck and ah. woke up for Fleetwood. I can't Man, believe so. the last time I saw your kid, I spent all of that time harping on him for not liking Jeff Beck when I should yes. have been harping on you, Mister Loser. Why? What did I do? He passed out. For but I saw him after that then, later. I saw him with Stevie Ray Vaughan, actually. Okay, wrap it up. <laughs> no, you got two more minutes. All right. Uh, Hill Murray <laughs> has received a $3.2 million donation for Woo! student scholarships. The gift comes from a couple who are keeping their names private. We'll provide... Joe, Joe, anonymous, <laughs> huh? What a guy. Uh, yeah, I know you went to Hill, but Unfortunately, that's a... he just walked in to use the bathroom. Next thing you know, he's, <laughs> he's, on the hook. he's cutting the check. <laughs> I raised my hand for some reason. <laughs> It'll provide at least 20 incoming ninth graders with up to ten grand a year to help pay tuition at the school. Thanks, Joe. Uh, You're did... welcome. David Chase, did you see who he's hiring to play Tony Soprano in the, the Tony's yeah, kid, pre-kid? Yeah, he's hiring uh, Michael Gandolfini's kid in real life uh, to play the young Tony Soprano in the Many Saints of Newark. It's a prequel to Chase's groundbreaking TV series, The Sopranos. Is he an actor, Johnny? Uh, he is actually. Uh, he was in something I just read, uh, and I, it should be. Wasn't oh, here we uh, go. The Gandolfini Dukes. dining with the, his son in Italy when he keeled over into the mashed potatoes? Yes. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I don't. Is oh. it this son? I don't, I don't know, know if it's it the same one, though. Uh, this guy is on a uh, series called The Deuce on HBO and apparently has done the quite Deuce. well in that. <laughs> <laughs> his uh, resemblance apparently... Don't go in there for 40 to 45 <laughs> minutes. <laughs> that's what they call it. That's what they, no, they call Patrick up at the uh, Cooperstown. Hey, Deuce, how you doing up there? What's, how you doing? His resemblance to Dad apparently is uncanny. The filmmakers engaged in an extensive audition process to find the young Tony before Gandolfini won the role. Insiders say his screen presence, mastery of Tony's mannerisms, coupled with his resemblance to Dad, made him the standout choice to get the part. How are they doing on that Deadwood movie? Uh, that's in production, I thought. I thought I read uh, they, were, uh, they were all good to go. Good. So, uh, Not a smart criminal. Deputies had to dive into a lake to fish out an 18-year-old Florida man who jumped in trying to escape them. The problem the bad guy had here? Uh, he admitted to police he didn't know how to swim. Ah! Helicopter footage shows one deputy removing his belt and taking items out of his pockets before jumping into the water to grab a Richard Gray. Gray had run from officers after they responded to a complaint of suspicious behavior and saw him entering a van. Uh, Gray admitted he couldn't swim. He luckily was saved by police and charged with obstruction. I have a news item before we stop, Joe. Kay Ballard died. Kay Ballard, yeah. Kay Ballard died. She was uh, 93. And the uh, interesting thing I saw about this, Joe, uh, Ballard was on hand last week when a documentary on her life and career premiered at a Palm Spring International Film Festival. Just last week, she went to a documentary about herself. 
Uh, and I just wanted to warn you, Such, we are uh, we are in the pre-production stages now, talking about doing of a, my own a documentary on you. All right, very All good. Right. So. And you might want to uh, make things right with your loved ones and your God. <laughs> right, right, right. GarageLogic.com is where you find us online. You can find all the great features, including Greg Holcomb's latest wonderful cartoon, and it captures Mr. Reavers uh, right spot on. Also, uh, I, Apple iTunes, don't forget to rate us. We like those feedbacks. Make sure you open that door before you walk into it behind me and uh, remember you are one click away we'd like to hear your feedback so rate us and then if you want to get any of the other podcasts we've done in the past several months they're all located at garagelogic.com and you successfully walk through the glass door again nice going feedbacks i went into clem i've got some good feedbacks garagelogics.com later